good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. You know, this program is designed for the Lutheran who believes, but, you know, has has some problems sometimes. Doesn't quite understand what's going on. And boy, you know, I got to tell you, that is me. I believe, but I have questions. There's a lot I don't understand. And I find that sometimes just sort of kicking back on the front porch with a pastor, that's the best way to find out what's going on. Just talk like one-on-one on a human being. And that's what we're doing. That's what this program is about. And joining me today on the front porch is Pastor Bill Swiller from Holy Trinity Lutheran Church out in Hacienda Heights, California. So I've got my questions. I'm sure you've got yours. You can join in the, the conversation. Get up on the front porch with us. Call us either in St. Louis at area code 314-821-0850 with your questions. Now that includes the Metro East area. Or anywhere in North America. Toll free. 1-800-730-2727. And you can even do it by email. Hey, we're in the modern age here. KFUO. Actually, it's Let's talk at KFUO.org. Let's talk at KFUO.org. With that being said, welcome aboard to the front porch, Bill. Here we go again. Oh, I know. What fun, huh? <laughs> great, great, great fun. How are you? Uh, a little bit discombobulated and frazzled, but beyond that, uh-huh. what the heck? That's right. That's right. We, That's one we're of the slogging we... along here out in southern, sunny Southern California. We had a little rain, and now we have some beautiful, beautiful blue sky. And uh, everything's clean. I don't know if you remember back from your California days, but you wait for that first rain just to clean everything off. Oh, absolutely, especially when I lived in Palm Springs, because you know we had a oh, we, yeah. the we had dust. A, yeah, we had a problem there with the particulate matter of the blown dust. Oh no, no, yeah, no kidding. I, I just had a pastors' conference there a week ago, oh, and uh, I didn't experience it. Uh, we were actually in Cathedral City, but it's you know, right next door. And, oh yeah, uh, Cat City. Yeah, we we uh, I didn't experience it, but other people who drove there actually drove through quite a dust cloud because the wind had kicked up that one day. Oh man, is that brutal? That is just just terrible. Well, we would actually get sandstorms there. I mean, and you know, sand dunes would sometimes roll over onto the road, and the uh, the dust was just could just be murder. And if yeah. you have a car down there, expect it to get uh, sandblasted. I actually had to change uh, change out my windshield before I, I drove out here. To, to, oh, yeah, yeah, that can it gets kind of pitted. Oh yeah, and you know, I, right. if I go into the sun, and, you know, dr- driving toward the sun, suddenly everything would be milky white. I couldn't see anything. <laughs> and my finish, you know, I've got a new windshield, but boy, the finish on my car shot. Yeah, it, well, any that, that environment is tough. Not, it, not quite as tough as the salt and the stuff in the Midwest, you know, when they're salting the streets in the winter. That just wreaks havoc on a car. But uh, the sandblasting is not exactly the best thing for your high-gloss finish. No, it's not. And uh, actually, now they don't, they don't sand now. They use a, a different chemical. So it's not quite as brutal on the car. What, what is? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I said sand. I meant salt. Oh, salt. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Still, winter's hard on cars. Yeah, I don't like winter, I have to admit. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm i going to skip that as, yeah. as best I can. So, so what's the... on your mind today, Kip? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, yeah. I've got a couple of things on my mind, which actually are a couple of things on... <laughs> that's, two more, that's two more than it's on my mind at the moment. Oh, so. Okay, i got to watch <laughs> that one. Yeah. I've come empty-headed to you today, so... <laughs> well, actually, i got a couple of listener questions. And here's one listener question. This this actually arose out of the uh, discussion I had with Pastor Andrew Price a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Uh, and we were discussing when it is not acceptable for a pastor to administer a holy sacrament. 
And one of the specifics that we had raised on that, and I used the word, and he and I used the word, and perhaps misused the word, was cohabiting. That is, a man and a woman engaged in a sexual relationship who are living together who are not married. And the situation comes before the pastor, and the pastor will confront them, or the wrong word, will counsel them. And, you know, if, if they're unrepentant and if they intend to continue doing what they are without a formal marriage, well, that's, that's problematic. However, I got an interesting voicemail from a listener, a gentleman, who said, well, what about if, he's, he said, do you really mean fornication rather than cohabitation? And he said, what if, for example, as happens a lot, an older couple gets together. They're not married, but they get together for financial reasons or for security reasons for each other, but live in separate bedrooms, have no sexual relations at all, but they are cohabiting. Are they okay? Is that is that the question? That's the question. You had to ask, didn't you? Uh, well, he, why, don't you why don't you ask Andrew Preuss? He's he's he, <laughs> he <laughs> started this. <laughs> wait till he get, wait till he comes on. He started this. He can finish it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for a hot second, I thought you were going for a second opinion. You know, like when you don't like what your doctor says, you find oh, yeah, another right. doctor. So whenever I find out, whenever I have a, if a doctor tells me I got to lose twenty pounds, I, I just find another doctor, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, preferably that's, that's... one who's like really heavy. It it, yeah. it helps, but. Yeah, if he says, so, Kip, you got to stop drinking beer. No, I definitely want yeah. to get a third, fourth, and fifth opinion on yeah, that Yeah, no, this, just keep looking until you find one. Um, yeah, so we're not going to talk about the the, the, the pastoral discretion uh, with regard to the sacrament that's been sort of asked and answered, and we're not, I, won't, I don't want to go there. But, but uh, the question does come up with some of our seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, they, they are, they're, uh, obviously, they're, they're older, widowed, um, or perhaps divorced, but they're they're they are single, and and then they uh, they they join households, and uh, for a variety of reasons, I suppose, and uh, aren't legally formally married. And uh, I always like to ask why, you know, what what's why why not get married? That's it's always good to first of all any any kind of like situation like that. It, it's helpful to ask some diagnostic questions rather than just jump, jumping in with a diagnosis as your doctor would do when he tells you to lose 20 pounds. So so why why do they do that? Typically, in my experience, they are doing that because they have some financial arrangement, social security or some other things. And I don't know all the ins and outs. I'm getting close. I'm getting at that age now, Kip, where I'm studying the the you know social social security ins and outs, the laws, the retirement. Oh yeah, believe pension. me, they'll trip you up. Because because all of a sudden you you gotta you know you need to become an expert on this stuff. Uh, as you uh, that, that's something in your 60s. That's your your hobby in your 60s is retirement stuff. You know, but but that's another conversation. Why why do they do that typically? Uh, because they are drawing on a deceased spouse's benefits, and they don't want to lose that. And if they get married, then in some of those, in some instances, then they will lose the benefits. 
I, th- I think that's probably the chief motivation for not getting married. See, that's always the question. Why aren't you getting married? If I have uh, a young couple that's living together. By the way, the word cohabitation has two definitions in the dictionary. The one means living together and having a sexual relationship. The other means simply living together or at the same time in the same place. <laughs> yeah. So you can talk about like college roommates cohabiting too. Right, and right. and uh, So it kind of depends what you mean by that. Well, that's what um, I said earlier. Is I, I think maybe Pastor... Price and I were misusing the word. Yeah, and it, you know that's the tough thing. And there are a lot of layers to this onion that we can kind of look at if you if you want, if you have the time on the porch to do that. Sure. But let's let's just talk about our senior couple that are living together as you know in a household in a non-sexual way. Um, and you know, there's something about seniors live, living together, and 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 the just the the adjective sexual that just kind of makes me a little crazy. Even with that. I just. <laughs> It's like, no. You know, it's like your parents. You never really want to think your parents doing that. You know they did because you're here, right? right? And if you're brothers and sisters, they did it more than once. But but no more than that. No more than that. You know, it's like, oh. But anyway, because, you know, when I think senior, I'm not thinking of myself. I'm almost 62. I'm thinking of grandma, you know, and so I'm having trouble here. But, but uh, just help me through it. Be patient with it. So, you know, it's companionship. It's, um, you know, my mom says it. My mom's been widowed for five years. And the thing she misses, you know what she misses, is someone to talk to in the house, conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes if they're in good health, a uh, traveling companion, uh, somebody to go out to dinner with. It's, it's, for some people, it's very awkward to go out to dinner by yourself. I like it, but a lot of people don't. Okay, so it, social. Uh, some people are into dancing, ballroom dancing. It's hard to... You know, it's hard to just kind of go in as a, as a single person. Everybody's coupled up and, you know, trying to find a dance partner, blah, blah, blah. And so I can see why, you know, uh, people who are living alone uh, in the senior years of their life uh, seek out some kind of uh, and develop uh, very close bonded, loving friendships uh, that aren't sexualized. They're just they're just close bonded friendships. Uh, but the why kind of, why not get married is really kind of an interesting question because you know and if people answer honestly they're kind of pulling the wool over somebody's eyes you know okay. we don't want so and so to know if we got married we'd lose this pension so there's that you know are are you deceiving the government are you deceiving the company's pension are you deceiving somebody uh, in into saying, well, you know, if we didn't have this, or and that's another way of poking at it. Say, okay, well, if that wasn't on the table, if the you know three thousand dollars a month, which is a lot, I understand, it, isn't on the table, would you get married then? See, and so that that's kind of that's kind of tricky. We live in a society where if you have two people living together, we presume they're married or they're brother and sister or something. Yeah, generally. not so much anymore. Yeah, I know that's kind of going by the wayside, but that kind of gets uh, that's opening the door to the bigger question, and that is public life. Public life. Um, you know, people know we're Christians. They know we go to church. They know we believe in God and Christ. They, they know that we take the commandments seriously. And so people, especially outside the church, are kind of judging our behavior all the time and kind of sizing us up to see, are we, re- are we the real deal? Uh, do we actually believe this stuff? Uh, what does it mean in our life? And so our public reputation and name and stuff is of importance to us, I think. And, you know, you, you, marriage is a public thing. It's not just something that we privately arrange. There's no, no such thing as a secret marriage. Uh, you're either married in public and it's on public, a matter of public record, or you're not married. 
And so um, that's kind of the other problem. Does grandma and grandpa, or in this case, you know, you know, people our age, are we setting the best tone and example for our grandchildren, maybe even our children yet, uh, the neighbors, uh, our community, fellow members of the congregation? Are, are we causing people to kind of go, well, you know, you know how people sort of quietly just sort of don't talk about it? You know how families are, you know. You know, are those two married? Well, <laughs> you know, so so that's what I'm saying. It's it's a public thing. So I think I think we have to kind of broaden our the way we look at at an issue and 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 broaden it beyond just say the economic advantage. And it might be considerable. I know. Um, some people have asked me, could we just have like a marriage ceremony, but we're not going to legally file? Uh-huh. So no, no, no. So you know, in 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 other words, before. Uh, whatever convenient legal entity we're talking to, we're not married, but we want to be married before in God's eyes. You see, the uh, problem with that in Lutheran thinking is that uh, marriage is a it's it's a, a matter before men, blessed by God. So you know you're either married or you're not, and so unless you're willing to pull the paperwork, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna help you with this little this little. Um, deception of of the entities so you know i won't do stuff like that because like for example like person who's married but in a civil ceremony and then goes to the church for the church's blessing oh that's fine okay that's fine because in fact i like that order uh you know normally in the church's order you know in, in our in in the lutheran church you got to come with with valid license in hand we'll all sign it because most states allow uh clergy to sign it they we they kind of deputize us um sometimes formally sometimes just whatever you know state of california almost anybody can sign a wedding license but but we require and i require a couple come with license in hand uh because we're not going to do a a sort of marriage you know a a kind of a marriage in the church because marriage isn't it as you correctly said the church blesses marriage they don't constitute it It, the church doesn't constitute marriage it it blesses it the people are marrying it's a it's a covenant they make with each other and the church is blessing it see so you know and then of course people are gonna go pharisaical on us because you always want to find the loophole you know can a man divorce (laughs) his wife for any cause (laughs) and so well what if we don't have sex you know in other words what if what if the relationship is not a sexualized one which is really a good question because there really is no biblical law against living together with somebody (laughs) you know i had roommates (laughs) no no law against that (laughs) Um, the, 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 you know, the Bible judges sexual conduct and it has very, Bible has a very, very, very narrow view of human sexuality. And that is, it's, it's the union of a man and a woman. And it has a deeper spiritual implication. The two become one flesh. So there's kind of something more going on than just the birds do it, the bees do it, and we do it. And, uh, and we honor that. So marriage honors that. Marriage protects that. Marriage kind of puts a fence around this one flesh union that's created by sexual intimacy. So if there's no sexual intimacy, there actually isn't a one flesh union. You know, and then you have like two good friends. It's not much different than me and my sister living together, cohabiting in the second definition of the word. Yeah. The first would be way out of bounds at all levels. Right? Yeah. But, but, uh, also on on the thing where you're living with say your sister or the case of our older people as christians we are supposed to take care of each other we are that's true and i i 
can't imagine that an older couple who's caring for each other in a non-sexual way by cohabiting are doing anything other than helping each other. And that's that, to me, would be something that, that I think God would expect of us. Well, you know, and I've heard the self-same argument for two men or two women living together, cohabiting in the second definition of that word. Okay. Okay. Now, we automatically make, you know, if they are, say, our age, or let's lop off 20 years, they're in their 40s, we start making assumptions there, too, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and there may not be a reason. What if, what if they're Christian? What, what if they have, what if they basically said, we're going to live celibately, but we don't want to live in isolation? You know, we just don't want a studio apartment somewhere and live by ourselves. That, that we, we want companionship. And, you know, it, it is, we, we are designed to live in community. We're designed to live in, in, in community with one another. And so, uh, see, a lot of the trouble, a lot of our problem is that our norms are built around a nuclear family. So you have husband, wife, kids, dog, that thing. And that's, that's the, the unit. It's not the unit in, in every culture. You know, you have the tribe the extended mm-hmm. family. You have got a lot of other things. In the Bible, if a woman was widowed, she went back to her father's house, her brother's house. Um, she had community, though, too. Well, you know, my wife and I were discussing this just the other day. Um, and, you know, we're, we're both remarried. I'm a widower, you know, so we remarried. And uh, she has family here in St. Louis. I mean, her, uh, her two of her, she has four sons. Two of them are, are here in the St. Louis area. Uh, my family, I've got, I've got a brother and some nephews out, out in the West. And the, the point is, you know, she and I and our dog, you know, we're a family together, but there's families that we're not part of as well. Say that again. I said, you know, she and I and our dog... Dog, okay. Bearing in mind, I'm a dog person. I make no apologies yeah. for that. Yeah, you can only be one flesh with your wife, though, not your dog. Yeah. Okay, just saying. <laughs> just, 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 so, uh, just so we're clear on all aspects of the conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we are one family unit. Yeah. But she also has her family unit, and I also have my family unit. Right. Yeah, but see, that's that's very American, suburban, kind of like, I got my four walls, and you got your four walls, or that kind of thing. Um you know, this is not the culture of either the New Testament, the Old Testament, a lot of the world today even. Um, you know, and, and we could rehearse this over and over, or we could talk about this, all the different ways that people find ways to live. Um, and and not in isolation. I think one of the worst ways to live is the isolated individual. The, hmm. This is, you know, my mom... My mom really needs company, <laughs> and um, to live alone is is really quite unbiblical. You know, it's not good for the man to be alone. Yeah. It's said so. You know, the, that's that's not a good way. But we don't have a lot of alternatives. You know, a lot of our seniors live in senior communities, so they have community and and whatnot. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take kind of what I would what many would term as kind of a weasel position here, okay? Because I, I don't want to give anybody the satisfaction of saying, well, you know, Swirla said, is is I think we all need to look at our actions, the way we live, and ask a bunch of questions. Not only what's expedient or what's good for 
our you know our monthly income or whatever else but also you know what does it say to the neighbor the congregant the family member our children our grandchildren um does it cause people to be uncomfortable does it does it give people reason to gossip does it hurt our reputation which god has worked so hard to clean up in christ uh, does it reflect well in Christ? Does it honor Christ? What a great question for a Christian to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I really like to leave this in the hands of the person and his or her conscience. Just kind of let that let that marinate for a while, because um, you know we're accustomed to the church with the word from on high, and you know my infallible interpretation of all things. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather that they kind of like expand their way, their world. Look at their world through a larger lens, and and just see see what see what comes out. I've been surprised without any force on my part as a pastor. Uh, people have all of a sudden said, "We're getting married." Oh, that's wonderful. You know what made you change your mind? And they'll tell you things like, you know, we started thinking, what kind of example are we setting for our friends, our neighbors, our kids? You know? And they, oh, okay, that's great. You know, so you can celebrate that. Okay. Not to please me, the pastor, and get me off their back. That's one of the <laughs> worst reasons. Yeah, no, pastors are to guide, not to. Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes the guidance has a little is a little firmer than other times, especially if they're going to hurt themselves and others. Oh, yeah. You know, but sometimes it really is a matter of of stepping back and looking at things through a broader, broader lens. You know, I hate to think that a person's name and reputation and example has a price tag. So the only reason we're doing this is for the money. It's like, gee, is, is, is the, your, your honor comes cheap. <laughs> I, I may sell out, but I'm holding out for a much bigger price than that. <laughs> but if you're on a fixed income. Yeah, I know. And you're just I know. really close to the edge. You know, it's... <laughs> See, and I don't know the laws, but people, you, maybe you can fill me in. I mean, do people lose their their pension? Do people lose their social security if they marry they can, again? They, they, it can affect their social security. You know, and that's kind of too bad because the, the person paid into that yeah. uh, while they were still married, and and they were part of that that uh, or a pension is like that too. Mm-hmm. They they were they were a team, and they were working together, and all of a sudden now the fruits of those labors of years before get denied just because hey life moves on and somebody dies. I, th- well, this to me is w- like when my wife died, mm-hmm. you know, she was on social security, and that stopped. I got a two hundred and fifty dollar death benefit from her. Hers stopped. Yeah, Yours she, hasn't. No, no. But I mean, her social security. Uh, we were a family. We were married for thirty two years. She paid. Yeah. See, there's something a little goofy in the system, you know, because because social security. I, you know, and now we're gonna get political. I mean, that should tag with a person, not with a family unit. See, this is how we got all the muddlement about marriage in the first place. There's too many things tagging on. What's the purpose of marriage? Biblically, it's to protect the one flesh union of husband and wife, period. Not to create a bunch of legal rights and benefits. That's, that, that's clouded the issue. Now you'll get phone calls and email. <laughs> well, I remember um, taking an English course once when we were actually discussing, uh, discussing love and discussing marriage. Mm. And in the context of, say, the Middle Ages, where the idea wasn't so much religious as it was to um, 
as to legitimize the you know who who gets the property when the old guy kicks no off. kidding that would that's always been the chief the chief concern especially of the state the government on marriage has been inheritance <laughs> uh, it's one reason that the church eventually forbade clergy to marry is they didn't want they didn't want inheritance issues tagging along with this like you know inherited bishoprics mm-hmm. or or you know and and England never wanted uh, you know English land to fall into the hands of the French so you had a you had a a, a really strong reason to watch who's marrying whom. And and who's having children with whom too? So yeah, the, the, that and the the welfare of children uh, was was always of tantamount concern to civil society. They didn't care whether you loved one another. That, that was <laughs> that was not an issue. That's true. Well, we what we do have an issue here is at the bottom of the hour, and I got to take wow. a break. Okay. Well, we burned that. Yeah, we did. We'll be right back. next Law and Gospel on Monday, we will continue our discussion as to whether people are verticals or horizontals. And we're going to do it on the basis of a text from the 21st Sunday after Pentecost, Amos chapter 5. Listen to Law and Gospel weekday mornings beginning at 930 on KFUO. Hi, this is Bart Day, President and CEO of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Every day, our Lutheran schools reach out to children and families with the love of Jesus. Our schools are a rich and vital component of the church, and in fact, they are the single greatest ministry we share that can shape the future growth and expansion of the Synod. And so whether it's a customized loan to fit your school's particular needs or help living out your ministry's God-given purpose, we want to help your ministry flourish and grow. So visit us at lcef.org to learn more. Life not worthy of life was a slogan used to justify some of history's worst atrocities. Reverend Perry Hart warns against our culture's devaluation of life. He urges us to see ourselves and others as precious people created by God, redeemed by Christ. This week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. In a day when numerous concerns about money and safety abound in this fallen world, there is still a beacon of hope in Christ Jesus spreading the gospel message of mercy. Worldwide, KFUO has been a good steward of donations, ensuring the safety of funds our listener-supported ministry receives. If you have questions about donating to keep this worldwide ministry healthy, send an email to gifts at kfuo.org. This great nation will endure as it has endured. For thousands of people experiencing the Great Depression of the late 20s and 30s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was thought to be one of the most trusted voices in America. 
And on October 6, 1935, FDR brought the nation's attention to what he called an event of great significance. The event to which he referred was the 400th anniversary of the printing of the first complete English Bible in 1535. It would be difficult to appraise the far-reaching influence of this work upon the speech, literature, moral and religious character of our people and their institutions. It continues to hold its supreme place as the Book of Books. I commend its thoughtful and reverent reading to all our people. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Let's talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. And joining me on the front porch today is Pastor Bill Swerba from Hacienda Heights, California. He's the pastor of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. If you want to join us, you can do it. Call us in the St. Louis area at area code 314-821-0850, including Metro East, or anywhere toll-free in North America at 314-996. Whoops, that's the comment line. I'm reading the wrong lighter here. That's it. <laughs> Oh, I'm getting old. At 1-800-730-2727. Well, better getting older than the alternative, huh? I suppose. Well, what is the, What's the alternative to getting older? Not getting older. Getting younger? No, I wouldn't. I don't go. I, I would not want to go backward. Or no. if I did, I'd like to keep. I'd like to keep um, the acquired wisdom and knowledge. And, and and get back about 20 years on the body. I think that would be really awesome. Well, actually, that was one topic I wanted to discuss with you. Okay. And that is that as I get older, <laughs> and I am now in my 70th, 7th decade, 70th decade. And we all age decade. at the same rate, by the way. That's true. Yeah. But I find myself saying, you know, I think I've finally got this living thing down. Now, Now let's do it for real. And... I suddenly realized, oops, <laughs> I've been doing it for the last 70 years <laughs> and not really quite appreciating what it was I was doing. Uh, yeah, that's <sighs> how it is. You know, I kind of view life in terms of, I may have said this last time I was on the show because I was thinking about it then, but but I'm, I'm viewing life in terms of quarters. Okay. So, and, and it's, it's groups of 20 years. You know, the Bible says that a full life is 70, 80 if we have the strength. That 70 may be symbolic of completeness. I don't know. But, I but really let's just, hope so. <laughs> let's run with it. 70, 80 if we have the strength, okay? And, you know, with the miracles of modern medicine, we've managed to push the envelope to an expect, reasonable expectation that you might make it to 90 or so if your genetics are favorable. So, okay, it's all cool. But let's just think in terms of 20 years. So 0 to 20 is kind of your it's your apprenticeship, right? Yeah. So this, this is where you're a kid. This is where you're learning the ways of being human, being in community, being an adult, or, you know, just doing stuff. And so... So and yet it progresses. So you have childhood and adolescence and young adulthood. But by age twenty or so, we're kind of expecting of you know that an adult has hatched at this point, right? So that's your that's your 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 beginnings and your apprenticeship. Now twenty to forty is where you you kind of stake out your claim. You're out there in the world. This is where you 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 define your vocation. You uh, you chase after a wife or a husband, and you got the energy to do that too. And and you uh, start a career, and you know there's there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of excitement. It's you know when you hang out with people in their twenties and thirties, there's a lot happening, and and it's um you know it's, it's a really exciting time because it's a time when you're actually laying down the foundation of your adult life, marriage, family, career, 
all of that stuff. Uh, 40 to 60, you're building on that career, right? So hopefully you don't have too many false starts and you're getting good at what you're doing. You've put in your 10,000 hours, you're competent, um, getting promoted, raising the kids, hopefully, you know, working toward throwing them out of the house when they reach 18 to 20. And, and so it's all good. And then you hit uh, the the last quarter, 60 to 80. And that's kind of a mystery to a lot of people. What do you do with that, right? Because you've laid the foundation, you've built on the foundation. And I think at some level, this is the place where one enjoys the fruits of that building. This is where if you, like, planned and saved accordingly, you can enjoy the fruits of a retirement income. Uh, This is where if you have established a name and a reputation in your field, people start coming to you for advice because you are now an elder at the city gates. They had to be 60 to do that in the Bible, you know, you Mm -hmm. had to, um, I like in the book of Leviticus that the Levites had to retire at 50. Minimum age was 25 for service in the tabernacle, and then 50 they were done. Now, they weren't done done, but they guarded the tabernacle, which I kind of took to mean that they supervised the young guys to make sure they were doing it right. You know, it's like old carpenters. That ain't plumb. (laughs) (laughs) But they're not picking up a hammer anymore because, like, the hands are just too arthritic for this. So we're not doing that. But I kind of like that because you're tapping into the accumulated wisdom, the deep wisdom of, of the senior your guys but you're not actually you're not asking them they, they don't have the energy they don't have the drive anymore to 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 do that that foundation laying and that heavy building that goes on so that's that's kind of my thinking 60s is the fruits of one's labors that's where you get to enjoy the grandkids right mm-hmm. and and at least maybe somebody thinks you're wise <laughs> not your wife but somebody thinks you're wise okay <laughs> I can tell you've been married. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where, you know, there's a reason why the elders went to the city gate and hung out. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, yeah. Wife, right. wife didn't want him in the tent. Yeah, go, go, just go, do something, you know. <laughs> the oh, yeah. the thing the thing about retirement, though, thinking about that is that is that I think retirement is mistakenly conceived of as doing nothing. Um, I think it should be conceived of as doing something new, something else, something different, the same thing in a different way. Um, There's all sorts of ways, I think, to conceive that. It really is kind of, I think, potentially rich area of life. Um, But it's different, and it should be different from the 40s to 60s. You know, you're empty nesters. You, You know how that is, right? You raise the kids, you move out. It's not like life's ended. It's like a different phase of life has begun. Well, this is part of it, you know. Like I was, like I mentioned earlier about. Uh, well, gee, now I've died. Now I understand. I want to do it right. You know, growing up, you know, when you were a kid, you always wanted to be an adult. When you wanted to be in, when you finally got into adulthood and you broke into that first job, you really want to get further up the ladder and make more money and blah blah blah. And the thing I'm, I'm I was raising, I was, I really wanted to raise with you is that. I know in my case, I never really took the time to enjoy what I was doing at the moment, to fully appreciate what God had given me at that point. Yeah, that's part of what the book of Ecclesiastes refers to as a great vanity of vanities, that a man works his entire life. Uh, He does all that building that I described, and then everything that he built gets handed on to some fool, (laughs) and he's never enjoyed a single moment of his labor. 
And it, it says that a great blessing from God is that a man should enjoy his food and drink and, and all the days of his life and the fruits of his labor because you recognize this is, you can't take it with you and this is ultimately a temporal thing. You know, the, this is not, this is not the big eternal picture. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think in that 40 through 60 period, and maybe even before, there's such a focus on everything that, that you, we sometimes don't take the time to just slow down and enjoy what's going on, enjoy, and to enjoy that journey, uh, through that, that time of life. Enjoy that time with your kids, uh, with your spouse, um, mm-hmm. in, in, and really enjoy the life that, that you have. Uh, I think one reason that, like teenagers, you know how time goes really slow for a teenager because they're always waiting to be some at some other time. They can't wait to be 16. They can't wait to be 18. They can't wait to be 21. When you get to be 60, there's there's nothing to look forward to in the future. So you can wait as long as possible at that point. So all of a sudden, there's no time reference anymore. So time really goes fast because <laughs> the only thing left is the grave. <laughs> Well, I'm starting to look at it that way. But, you know, when I was in my 30s and my 40s, I was a workaholic. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I would think nothing of working 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, and part of me enjoyed that. But now I look back at it and say, my gosh, what was I missing? What was what price did I pay for that? Mm. And now here I am and uh, now looking at. Don't ha- I don't know how much time I've got left. You know, that's that's up to him, not me. But uh, well, I think I think the you know, and that, that's kind of the that's the language of repentance. And you know, there's regret. Um, and and I think the question is, or maybe part of the answer to that question is, you'll never know what you missed because you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe if you missed it, it wasn't important anyway. Um, I think maybe a deeper repentance question, maybe that's where the conscience is kind of like skirting the issue, is whom did I neglect um, pursuing whatever it was I was pursuing? So pursuing the career, I neglected my kids. I neglected my wife. Um, you know, I, I came home one day and they were grown, you know, I came home one day and I walked my daughter down the aisle, uh, or I looked at my wife after the kids were out of the house and I don't even know who I'm married to anymore because I was at work all day. So there's, there's regret and that there is, is, there's a place for repentance because vocation is not about building a career. Vocation is about serving the neighbor, the neighbor being your wife, your Uh kids, your you know your community and so maybe looking at it that way it it kind of puts the whole thing in a new light and let's face it whenever i serve neighbor a i'm not going to be serving neighbor b so this is kind you'll 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 never you'll never get it (laughs) there's always something to do you know so uh, and that's just a reminder that we, we we can't earn our way to god's grace by by accomplishing things and succeeding uh we Earn it by grace through faith in Christ alone. And uh, the rest is a freedom to, to do with our day the best that we can do with it. And, and a danger I, that I fell into was letting my job take over my personality as well. Oh, uh, yeah. I loved chasing sirens. I really did. I loved the fires. I loved the shootouts, the whole thing. I, I, God help me, I did. 
I remember one story I covered. We had a, uh, uh, I was working in uh, Iowa at the time, w- at WHO in Des Moines, and we had a fire at a local motel. And what happened was that there was a, uh, a high school wrestling team from out of from out of the city had been putting up there for a tournament. And uh, there was a herald a- aspect to it. You where the kids went around and helped the elderly people get out of the hotel, the whole thing. Well, I'm at the scene. I'm walking around, and I recognize a guy from the uh, coroner's office. And so I go running up to him and say, hey, are any fatals in this? He's good. yeah, we got two kids back here. Nobody else had it. No, one, no other reporter had that story. I grabbed it. And I remember calling into my uh, my boss back at the station and saying, hey, we got to go in the air. I got some great news. Two dead. Nobody else has it. <laughs> yeah, I like how you refer to it in shorthand. Any fatals in there? You know, yeah. Not like not the, the like two people for whom Christ died. Uh, did they lose their yeah. lives in there? No, any fatals? <laughs> and and that's you wow. know that was kind of an eye opener. And, and my boss, I remember, was was somewhat horrified by that. Yeah. Well, I think it. I think you you raise a very very important point, and that's the idolatry of vocation. Ah, you, you know, and and it, idolatry and identity are really closely tied together, and and this is where you hear it in people, especially in their forty through their forties through sixties, uh, where they're where they're building their careers, they're building, and you know, so you're ambitious, you're hard driven, you want that story, you want that exclusive. Mm-hmm. And and so what happens is your identity gets kind of caught up in what you do. So you people will say, I'm a lawyer, I'm a reporter, I'm a pastor, I'm a this, I'm a that. Uh, that's not that's not who you are. That's what you do. Um, and and especially for you see, that's what once once you find your identity in your work, then your work has become your idol and it'll break you. It It will break you. Because all idols will eventually consume their communicants. It's inevitable, you know. <laughs> Only the true God allows himself to be consumed by his communicants. Go and think about that for a while, right? So, you know, and as as Christians, our identity is as baptized children of God. So even if they take this pastor thing away from me to tomorrow, and they probably should, uh, I, I'm, I'm still a baptized child of God. You know, even if you retire from what you do, you're not a nothing. You're a baptized child of God. And uh, and that's a, a great freedom for one thing, and, and it puts things in their proper place. I, I think it does, and... and... You know, I, I think I was fortunate to an extent that um, I, I hit a point in my career where, where it suddenly started to hit me that I was dealing in human misery. Yeah, as 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 news and entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that I was enjoying it too much. And uh, then I started to see the bodies for what they were. Yeah. You know, shattered, shattered humans. And... Uh, that's about the time I said, you know, maybe I ought to rethink this. But, you know, my gosh, it took 20, 30 years before I've hit that point. And it's easy to do because the rewards are instantaneous. And and we're kind of geared from the moment we enter kindergarten. We're, we're, we're geared to a, a, to a, a, um, a reward system. Mm. So, you know, you do what the system says and you perform according to the system standards and the system will reward you. You get good grades. Mom and dad are happy. Uh, the teacher likes you. And, you know, you kind of you, you're sort of groomed 
uh, for this. And then there are expectations. People expect you to succeed. You're voted most likely to succeed in high school. I was. I was. Kind of. That's why I don't go back to high school reunions. I don't want to admit to the failure. Okay. <laughs> No, no. Everything I've tried, I've failed at. Okay, so so much for that most likely to succeed moniker. But as we know from other things, don't trust anything from the high school years. It's just not. <laughs> not whatever they wrote in your yearbook, you just never want to see the light of day again. But the, by the way, do you have your high school yearbook? I'm just curious. <laughs> Oh, that was funny. I do. I got four of. I got all four years. I got all four years. Well, you know, it's funny you mention that because I hap- I did happen to go to my high school reunion. Uh, and fact, did you? Yeah, my fiftieth reunion, and uh, that's a good one to go to because the story's been written at this point. Yeah. You know, you, there's no longer you've cleared you've cleared those 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 um those years of hopeful ambition, and now hard reality has set in. Well, we had. Well, just this year, the, the actual the, uh, the actual 50th year reunion was about two years ago. But this year we had, uh, actually last month, we had what we call the the uh, class of 70th birthday party. Oh, okay. Because we figured we're all in our 70s. <laughs> and here I am in line to get some food. Mm. And there's this guy behind me. My, my wife is with me. And there's this guy behind me. And I look around and I see his name tag. Barry, remember the time we set fire to the stage? Oh, yes. <laughs> What we need to hear about, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it just flashed back to me. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah, no, that's, I'm that, not nominated for the Supreme Court, huh? I live in horror of all of that stuff. Um, yeah, you know, if my high school yearbook ever made the light of day, I, it, that would be it. would be over. So um, so I, I burned them. I, I, I just took them out and burned them in the <laughs> Weber kettle. What are you going to do? It, it's... <laughs> Aging is no fun, but it actually is fun. I, I don't know about you, but I enjoy being 60 more than I enjoy my 50s. My 50s were not a very good decade. They, I would put them right down there with my teens. My teens were a horrible period mm. of my life. And and the 50s were not that good either For in so many ways. Uh, my You know, my dad died. Um, and uh, just I kind of lost, in some ways I lost sort of vocational bearings at, at some point because again we're success driven and uh you know whether people realize it or not uh, it's very hard to be a pastor in a success driven culture uh because you know who do people consider successful pastors the joel osteens yeah. the rick warrens the big box the big box pastors the celebrity pastors and um you know not everybody is destined to do that and and some might even argue that it's not really success in kingdom terms. We've had a nice set of readings over the last few uh, weeks in the three-year cycle about greatness in the kingdom. And it always goes back to that little child who was the abject loser in Jesus' society. Nobody gave the time of day to any kid. Uh, and he says, ah, that's greatness in the kingdom right there. That's how you receive the kingdom as a little child. And, and so... That's where, you know, I'll tell you, 
clearing 60, that makes a lot more sense than it used to. <laughs> I hear that. I tell We're you. sounding like a couple of old guys. You know, it's going to thin your demographics enormously on this show if we don't knock it off. Uh, well, you know, one thing I'm looking but at. But that's what you have Andrew Preuss for, right? Get that's the right. Young in, get the young guys in there. <laughs> well, there's you and, of course, I get Craig D'Onofrio on here every so often as well. I mean, we got a lot of fun. He, he, he's, he's just a, he's an old guy wannabe. You know, he's like an old soul. He, he, he was old before he became old. <laughs> But in some ways, he never grew up. That's true, too. <laughs> you know, it's like my brother, who's, uh, who's he's nine years older than me. In fact, he's turning 80 next year. Uh, his favorite saying is, you know, growing old is mandatory. Growing up is strictly voluntary. Yeah, that's a little bit like Dave Barry, who once said that, uh, what did he say? Youth is fleeting, but immaturity lasts a lifetime. <laughs> And I, I kind of live by that motto. I, I, I really do. I, it's just, I think not having children, and my wife and I don't have kids, um, I think that does perpetuate a certain level of immaturity because you you got to grow up for the sake of the kids if for no other reason. Um, so kids will not only age you, they will they will cause you to grow up. And kids in the house are a good marker for these transition points because you're watching them grow. And so you have a reference point. Have you ever noticed that you can't, like, conceive your parents beyond the age that they were when you left the house? Um, not really. Uh, oh, okay. Unless I, you had I them had, living I, in your house for, for like, a long time. Well, I had, that, do, yeah, right. no, I, had, I had to do some caretaking, uh, okay. caregiving. It's like when I think of my dad, I think of my dad at the age of 48. Which is way beyond my age. So you see, you know, there's kind of a there's there's a problem with that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, mom's eighty nine, and and you see her. But but that's kind of like she she almost to me looks like grandma. <laughs> I got to remind my mom. <laughs> now I remember first time I realized my mother was walking slowly. Oh yeah, isn't that isn't that tough to see? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It was really tough. Isn't that tough to see? You, you, that's my mother. That, that's that's the woman who gave me a whooping when I came home. You know, I couldn't. <laughs> there was a day when I couldn't outrun her. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think we should make as an assignment to all your listeners that they should devotionally read the Book of Ecclesiastes upon heels of this uh, of of this broadcast because it's a very ecclesiastical moment. You know, this is life under the sun. And and it's not all terrible. It's just very real. Yeah, there is and a time the, for everything. Yeah, and the greater reality is that the totality of the whole thing is redeemed in Christ. You know, that God has reconciled all things, all things. The, this whole goofy life that we have, he, he's rec reconciled all things to himself in the death of his son. And I can't wait, as for one, to see what that reconciliation, what that reconciled life looks like. You know, I, I, I want to see all the irreconcilables of my life come together in sort of a mysteriously wonderful way. I think it's going to be a really great thing. Well, I'm not sure we're going to see it this side of the grave. No, we won't. We won't. So I, I have something, like a teenager, I have something to look forward to uh. that I can't wait for. Now, it's not dying. I, I'm not too keen on that. But rising from the dead is a really, really awesome concept to hold <laughs> and i for one can't wait because this is where all the irreconcilables become reconciled and that's going to be something it will be and and it's you know it's one of these wonderful mysteries that we talk about and it just and actually the theme of this program there's a heck of a lot i don't understand 
but I believe. <laughs> well, and that's the, that's the whole purpose of faith. Faith is not contrary to reason. Faith goes where reason has kind of given up. You, you, you know, there's a limit to what you can with your reason and senses figure out. And but faith, you know, trusting not in what you see, but in what God tells you. Mm. Uh, that takes you that takes you to different places and it takes you beyond and and that's a really good thing we're kind of like the creatures of flatland that live in two dimensions but god kind of introduces us to the above the the higher dimension and things look a lot different from that perspective but we don't get to see it just yet so that's okay that's cool gives us something to look forward to that is. I mean, the, again, getting back to what I was saying earlier about trying to get things over with and done with and get, get ahead. And Well, wait a minute. There's things to look forward to. Enjoy what you're doing now, but there's a lot coming, and you're going to have a wonderful time, or at least an interesting time. Well, and I, I would say, you know, the same thing kind of lays over all the anxieties over the the political order. You know, that's one of God's temporal orders, and it mm. seems very disordered these days, and people are very upset, and on all sides of things, they're all kind of wound up, and they're important, but they are temporally important. They're, they eternally, they all get kind of reconciled in Christ so that even Democrat and Republican are reconciled in Christ somehow. Now, that to me is a great mystery, but, but I believe, <laughs> I believe it's, it, it has happened. I believe it's possible. <laughs> well, I have to see it first. But <laughs> yeah, well, and you won't short of the resurrection. No, it, I understand that. Where, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, Republican or Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it, you know, my, my grandmother used to say to me, Kip, you have to get burned before you believe fire it's hot, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a grandma saying. A German grandma's, grandma. Grandma's, yeah, yeah, that's, 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 they made that stuff up. Those German grandmothers, they were making that stuff up on the fly. But, but it was good. It was useful. Yeah, it actually was. She was, she was an interesting <laughs> lady. She, um. Uh, she, uh, always dressed uh, to the, to the, to the, uh, to the max. I mean, you never, oh. you oh, never really? saw her with an inform, informally dressed. She had two vices, or I'm not sure I would call them vices, but she had two, uh, things that she would indulge. She loved beer <laughs> and she loved cigars. <laughs> Cigars are funny. I, I can't imagine Granny with a cigar. But a beer, yes. Cigar. Uh. <laughs> well, she used to go up to her. She, she lived with us in the final years of her life, and she always used to go up to her room, and that's where she'd smoke and drink. Oh, my goodness. My my grandmother's vice was was very smelly cheese. <laughs> and so, and she was German, too. She was very she was Southern German, Bavarian. And oh, so yeah. be, beer queso was her, that was her thing. And, oh, man, that smelled like something died. Uh, what I discovered later on in life as I became a foodie was that smelly cheese doesn't taste the same as it smells. So all of a sudden, the light bulb went off, and I understood why Grandma liked that cheese with, with really good Bavarian rye bread. But she liked that cheese because it didn't taste the way it smelled to the rest of us. Cause it smelled like death to the rest of us. <laughs> so we banished her to the garage. She could only eat this cheese in the garage. And there was Grandma, you know... So, you know, summer, fall, winter, in the garage, eating her beer case uh, on Bavarian rye. <laughs> oh, <gee. laughs> 
<laughs> the things we do for our she relationships. Was, she <laughs> was not permitted in the house. <laughs> Even though Dad smoked cigars in the house, that was okay. But Grandma could not have that cheese in the house. Well, Bill, I'm afraid we're out of time. As usual, this has been a lot of fun and hopefully informative. <laughs> and I want to remind our listeners, you've been listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. And my guest today was Pastor Bill Swirla, Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with the pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor is In on Worldwide KFUO.